think of me when you are all alone maybe you'll ask me to come back and maybe you'll be maybe hey This podcast, it never changes. You know what else never changes? War. War never changes. That's right, folks. Today is the Fallout episode. Today we're talking about all things Fallout, at least my opinion on the series. I have played a very high amount of Fallout 3, a fairly high amount of Fallout New Vegas, and a somewhat high amount of Fallout 4, and today I want to share my thoughts and opinions on the series as a whole. I want to talk about what I think about the lore. I want to talk about what I think about the gameplay. I want to share why Fallout New Vegas is considered the best one, and I want to talk about the history as to why many people think it's the best one and what would put it at odds to make it the best one. Um, I want to talk about everything Fallout today. We're going to talk about my likes and dislikes for every game. We're going to talk about all these different storylines that I like, and I want to share some of my favorite moments from each of the games. We're going to talk everything Fallout today. We're going to ignore Fallout 1, 2, and Tactics because those games are old and I haven't gotten around to playing them yet, and we're going to talk about not talking about Fallout 76 because I haven't played that either because that game's a fucking joke. Um, So that's where we're at with this podcast episode guys uh long-winded singing intro aside today is the fallout episode and me a 3d fallout fan is going to share some of my thoughts on the various fallout games and i'm going to sell those of you who have yet to play a fallout game on picking up a fallout game and trying it out for yourself let's jump right into it Now that I'm done singing really badly, um, I want to talk about specifically uh, a sort of like brief history of the Fallout franchise. I'm not going to go into super big details. I'm not going to give any specific names of the creator or anything like that. I just want to talk about really quickly how the game started out in the hands of Interplay. And Interplay um, was responsible for Fallout 1 and Fallout 2. Uh, and it was made under Black Isle Studios. Um, and eventually, after Interplay closed down, the rights to Fallout were sold off to Bethesda Softworks, uh, a daughter company of Zenimax. Um, and we're going to talk about the Bethesda era of Fallout more today because, like I mentioned in the intro, I haven't really played a ton of the first couple Fallout games, or 76 for that matter, but I'm going to touch upon that. Um, So I won't be talking too much as far as opinions go on those games because I haven't properly formed one yet. Instead, I want to focus on the Bethesda side. Uh, So once the game did land in the hands of Bethesda, they started work on Fallout 3 um, using the same engine that they used for the Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion. Um, They modified it and made it work for a post-apocalyptic futuristic setting. Uh, And hence we got Fallout 3, Um, and from there the engine was iterated on even further and it was used for Skyrim, 
Uh, and then it was even brought back for Fallout uh, by another company known as Obsidian uh, that was contracted by Bethesda to make another Fallout game, which I'm going to get into Obsidian later on, and we're going to briefly touch upon the Outer Worlds, I believe, is their their sort of like spiritual successor to Fallout. Um, and then after that, um, there was a couple-year gap. Skyrim was re-released a couple more times, and then Fallout 4 came out. Um, and Fallout 4 is the most recent single-player main series entry uh, for the Fallout series. Um, and then later on down the line, that engine was iterated upon even more. A couple more releases of Skyrim came out. And then Fallout 76, the multiplayer masterpiece, uh, was released. And so that's where we're at with the Fallout series. Um, and let's talk about what Fallout actually is. So if you've never played a Fallout game before, basically... Uh, the bombs dropped, and the world has been ruined. Um, so, essentially, as far as I understand, I might get some of the lore things uh, and the specifics a little wrong because I'm not exactly a, a history buff. I just really like the Fallout games. Um, apparently, as far as I understand, at some point in like the 40s, 50s, 60s time range... Um, a nuclear a nuclear war broke out across the world, and the countries started nuking each other. And as such, the world was kind of uh, destroyed. The world kind of ended, um, and the shambles of society left over um, sort of formed their own groups and uh, sort of grouped up into different areas and different factions. And lots of lore and post-apocalyptic fun happened. Um, and basically, from there, uh, a bunch of different big corporations from the pre-war times um, had different uh, shambles left over after the bombs fell. And the one that I think survived the best, according to the series, is Vault-Tec. And Vault-Tec, if you know anything about Fallout, is the company responsible for creating the vaults. And the vaults are kind of like where Fallout gets its name what sort of drives some of the plots for some of the games. Uh, and over half of the Fallout main series games, you start out in a vault. So needless to say, Vault Tech as a company is very important. Um, and basically, all the games sort of have this similar premise that you're setting out into the wasteland for the first time, this untapped, um, desolate, but also bustling wasteland full of weird and wacky characters and creatures and monsters that attack you and uh, bars to be uh, drank at and and Fallout New Vegas casinos to be gambled in and all sorts of fun and storytelling to be had um, and that's sort of like the general idea so to briefly touch upon the differences between each of the game's individual stories uh, Fallout 3 you start out in Vault uh, is it 111? I'm pretty sure it's 111. Vault 111, um, as a guy, and your dad's a scientist, and for some unknown reason to you at the time, uh, your dad actually leaves the vault, which is kind of unheard of for Vault 111. Uh, the vault's been sealed since before the bombs fell, so needless to say, the people in the vault were not really keen on getting out, uh, and your dad just opened the vault and left. So... You kind of decide to escape the vault and go out into the world and try to find your dad and figure out what the fuck he's doing 
leaving the safety of the vault and you come to discover that there's tons and tons of different creatures and characters and people living outside of the vaults just fine and they're all having their own different experiences and you are very sheltered inside the vaults um and then you jump over to fallout new vegas and fallout new vegas you even have more obscure more like just blank slate backstory which i really really like um and you start out as this guy known as the 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 courier depending on where you live you might pronounce that differently um but basically the courier is your character and he was tasked with delivering a um he was tasked with delivering a package i almost said what the package is but that's kind of a spoiler i gotta be careful not to spoil anything too big when i'm talking about these he was tasked with delivering a package to a certain place and the package and the courier himself were interrupted and intercepted um, by this guy who shoots your character the courier in the head and leaves him for dead so the game revolves around you waking up in a nearby town uh, and you're you were saved from death by a local kind doctor man and you sort of wake up and you're out in the wilderness and you can't remember anything about what was going on before you were shot in the head all you know is you got to find this guy who fucking shot you in the head and you got to stop him uh, or you got to figure out what he's doing at least and that's sort of the premise for fallout new vegas and then fallout 4 um you play as the mother or father of a baby um, and you enter the vault when the bombs start to drop and you're it's a cryo cryogenic sleep vault so basically you get put into a super frozen deep sleeping state um, and you're supposed to be unfrozen when the world's like normal again uh, but for some reason a group an unknown group unfreezes you and your family's body they kill your spouse and they steal your son and then they refreeze you before you can do anything about it and you wake up some years later i think the, if i say exactly how many that's a spoiler so i'll avoid doing that um you wake up some years later and you're uh you find out that everybody else inside the vault has died because the cryogenic storage containers have all failed except for yours so you assume that the people who kidnapped your son sabotaged everyone but your cryogenic sleep chamber um, and that's sort of the premise for Fallout 4. And then Fallout 76 is completely off the rails. It's multiplayer. It's basically Rust, if you've ever played Rust, um, but with a Fallout skin slapped on. Uh, there is base, like big base building, multiplayer raids, and you leave this vault, and it's a completely normal vault. Uh, vault 76 is a what they call a control vault, so there were no experiments done on Vault 76. After the time that it was supposed to be closed, it popped open and the people were free to leave. And you and all your friends playing Fallout 76 are those people who got to leave Vault 76 unscathed. And it was a very normal vault experience. Um, and that's Fallout 76's basic story premise. So there's sort of like a history of the series, how it sort of changed hands, and a brief plot synopsis for what you can expect from each of the games. I'm going to get into what makes each game better than the other, um, and I'm going to get into a bunch of other stuff here soon as well, so make sure you stay tuned. Let's keep going.
So next I want to talk about actual mechanics in the games and kind of talk about how it is to actually play them uh, before we dive into my favorite bits from each of the ones that I'm going to talk about today. Um, so basically, the first big thing that you'll kind of know if you know anything about Fallout at all uh, is that it has this system called the VATS system. Um, and basically, VATS was Bethesda's answer to the fact that they were turning Fallout from a uh, isometric turn-based RPG into a first-person shooter real-time action RPG. Um, and basically what VATS does is VATS emulates the turn-based combat from the original Fallout games. And the way it does that is it stops time or very, very, very much slows down time when you're in VATS. And you can target specific parts of specific enemies' heads or bodies or anywhere. You can target, like, their arms, their legs, their head, or different creatures. You can target, like, their antennas or that kind of thing. Um, and there's a certain level of accuracy, and the accuracy is determined by your stats. Uh, and that's really was, like, kind of the, the big um, call to fame for the Fallout series when they switched over and released Fallout 3. Um, because it made the game more of an RPG. Even though they made it to a first-person shooter, it didn't rely as heavily on the first-person shooting because of the fact that you could do that. So you could put a bunch of points into that, and every encounter you entered into, as long as you had enough action points, you could mostly just finish people off in that. And the only time that was ever clunky uh, throughout those three games that I'm going to talk about slash four games I'm going to talk about is when you do melee uh, and uh, like grenades. So melee when you do it in that's your character runs up to them which makes time go back to normal pace for a second um, and then they attack so they're more vulnerable because they're right up there uh, in the grill of the enemies and you're sort of locked into your vats animations and you can't really cancel them uh, after you've started VATS. So if you were, are playing a melee character, you're not properly protected, you could get basically fucked over in the earlier games. I don't know if it's still the same in Fallout 4 or not, because I haven't tried out uh, melee in Fallout 4. But in Fallout 3, you could get fucked over very easily if you were doing melee VATS. So I typically steered clear of VATS for melee purposes. Um, and then with explosives... Your accuracy determines how close you are to actually landing near the enemy um, versus like whether or not you shoot, how likely you are to shoot them. It's how close you are to actually landing your grenade near the enemy you're trying to target. Um, and the problem with that is um, I've found when I've used VATs for ranged like grenades and throwables, um, I always end up like hitting a wall or something, even though it says I should not. And I don't know if other people have had this issue or not, but, like, I'll target somebody with vats with, with a grenade, and my character will accidentally throw it into a wall, and it'll bounce back, and it'll kill me. More times than not. It's I guess it's probably better for outdoors for grenades and stuff. Um, but as far as vats goes, it's probably best to stick with guns uh, at a bit of a range at least for vats. Um, and basically, when, you're, when you enter vats, you can cycle between different enemies, and you can target specific parts of their bodies, and you'll have a certain percentage chance to hit that part, depending on 
various factors such as your stats, your range, um, the type of weapon you're using, spread, and all sorts of other things. There's lots of factors thrown in. Um, and even eventually down the line, there's perks you can unlock which make it so occasionally you're when you're when you're not guaranteed 100% shot uh like there's a random percent chance that that accuracy will just boost up so i remember in fallout new vegas and this is jumping ahead a little bit um i got this one perk where basically what i could do is since my luck was fairly high i could do vats from really really far away with like a shotgun and it had like a 5% chance to hit the enemy um, but thanks to this perk, I would randomly get uh, a 100% accuracy shot with my shotgun from super far away. So I just fucking wrecked things with my shotgun. And I believe that that stat was affected by luck as well, that perk was. So I'd very, more commonly than when I tried it on a character with less luck, have that random like 100% chance. Uh, and I was just wrecking people from, like, really far away with a shotgun. It was a real blast. Um, no pun intended. Uh, but Vats is very interesting, and I think Vats is one of the reasons why early on I really got into Fallout 3 on the Xbox 360, because I played the majority of Fallout 3 on Xbox 360 before jumping over to PC later on, uh, because the PC port of Fallout 3 is kind of infamously bad, and infamously hard to run, uh, which I'll get into that later on as well, um, and how I got around that, and how you could get around that, uh, but basically, uh, since I was playing on a controller, my aim was trash, and that's helped to compensate for the fact that my aim was trash, and it made the game actually playable, um, which was always nice. Now, some of the other systems included in the game is crippling, so I mentioned how you could target specific limbs and vats. Uh, if each of those limbs has like a miniature health bar in addition to your main health bar and it's all tied together but if you take out the miniature health bar for a specific limb it actually cripples them in whatever area that is and when they get crippled you can get crippled in the same way too i should mention um it makes them have different effects or debuffs that happen so if you like uh cripple one or both of their arms it makes it harder for them to aim with accuracy uh, and if you cripple their head then they have a harder time seeing you and it makes it easier to sneak um, and again it affects their accuracy uh, and then with legs you can actually um, you can actually make it so they stumble or they uh, slow down when they're walking and they walk a lot slower so crippling certain limbs is very very useful uh, and likewise, when your character gets crippled limbs, it makes it harder to deal with any certain specific combat scenario. It's really bad when uh, enemies are throwing grenades at you and stuff like that. Because uh, when they explode, they're very likely to take out your legs, and then you're kind of stuck. And you can't run away if you start to lose a lot of health and take a lot of damage. Um, but I really, really like that system. And basically, you can heal specific parts of your body using the main healing item in the game, which is called stim packs. Um, so each stim pack can heal either part of an individual limb or overall a little bit of each limb slash your entire health bar. Um, and likewise, there's also this, this item called a doctor's bag, which I believe heals all your limbs to maximum health, and they're a little rare. 
Um, and there's also super stim packs, which heal even more health to each limb or even more health to your overall body. Um, the healing mechanics and the drug mechanics in this game are really, really interesting too, to continue into that. Um, so there's this whole addiction system where basically you can become addicted to the different drugs. I think they made it less less bad after Fallout 3, um, but you can still get addicted. So basically there's certain drugs that boost certain stats temporarily, um, might heal you, might remove your radiation, might make you more resistant to radiation, which radiation is a whole other system I'll get into eventually here. Um, and if you use enough of these ones that um, that uh, boost some of your stats, you can actually become addicted to them. And then what happens is if you don't take that item fairly often, uh, then you'll actually have a debuff, which is interesting. Uh, and the way you can cure your addiction, which this isn't super realistic, but I mean, I guess it only makes sense because having a permanent debuff for using specific items like that would be kind of bad. Um, is you can go to the doctor, and the doctor will heal all of your radiation for you. They'll heal your health to max. They'll fix all your crippled limbs. And they'll cure you of any addictions you might have. Um, because addictions really fucking suck in the game, and they really make the game a lot harder to play. Um, but they do add lots of interesting opportunities for role-playing and stuff like that. And you, If I recall, you can get addicted to alcohol and smoking cigarettes in some of them, which is really cool. Um, but anyway, so that's sort of how addictions work, and I briefly touched upon how chemicals work. Um, there's also, what was, I trying, what was I talking about earlier? The stats. I want to talk about the stats for a moment. So, in the original Fallout, the stats really, really, really mattered. Um, and your stats were laid out in a similar system to D&D. I think they actually took inspiration, if I recall. I don't know the exact fact on that. Um, but in D&D, you have different stats for your charisma, your intelligence, your wisdom, that kind of thing. Same deal in Fallout, except they made it an acronym. And I think that this system was actually developed for a different RPG, and the people who made the original Fallouts adapted it. Um, but it's called the Special System. And basically, it stands for Stamina, uh, Perception... Um, hold on one second. I'll figure it out. Stamina, Perception... Um, e, uh, Charisma, Intelligence, Agility, Luck... What is the E? Endurance. That's the E. Um, so with all those, you get the stats that make up your character. Um, and in the original Fallout, the stats really, really mattered, which is one of the coolest things about the original Fallout. Not that I'm going to talk about the original Fallout a ton in this video, um, or in this podcast, I should say. I've been doing this podcasting thing for so long, and I'm still not used to saying podcast this podcast over this video. Um, but in the original Fallout, if you made your intelligence stat low enough your character could not speak and you actually only had the dialogue option to say dir and different characters would just refuse to talk to you because of how stupid you were so the stats really really mattered in the first fallout um and the second fallout and fallout 3 after bethesda took over and the subsequent fallouts they don't matter as much um, but they do have lots of interesting effects on the way the game works and charisma and like the speech tree stuff in general is actually really, really interesting. Um, charisma plays a lot 
of importance in the Fallout series because basically in dialogue uh, there's lots of different branching uh, paths for the quests to go Um, and if you want the more pacifistic paths most of the time you're going to want to have a high charisma so you can talk your way out of a situation. The original Fallout strived on the ability to solve quests in so many different ways and most of the quests in the original Fallout games had a way where you could talk your way out of them where you didn't have to even start shooting. Um, Now the Bethesda Fallout games were a lot more focused on combat so they did not quite take that much of an approach. There are still quests where you can actually avoid combat in situations where you would have had to use it by using your charisma but it's a lot less overall than the original Fallout games. Um, But that being said, I love the charisma system, and basically the more charisma you have, the more unique dialogue options you have, especially in Fallout 3 and New Vegas. Um, And there's even special dialogue options in some cases that are added, whether you're part of a certain faction or whether you have a specific perk. there's really a lot going on with the dialogue and I think Fallout 3 is fairly well written. I really like the dialogue in the game and I really like the characters and Fallout New Vegas is on another fucking level. Fallout New Vegas is such a well written game. The Every time I play Fallout New Vegas and I go find a quest to do 9 times out of 10 it either feels like a television show episode or it feels like I'm fucking playing a full length film especially like some of the bigger quest lines for the bigger factions in Fallout New Vegas. They really did such a great do- great job writing that game. Um, and all the quests feel so like fresh and unique and like full of new ideas and excitement and different dialogue paths and options and all that shit um, that it really is a, a treat to play. And the story is really, truly excellent. And I'm going to do some more... Um, praising the Fallout games for their story later on. Um, But the dialogue, the point is the stats affect so many different things. Uh, Not even just combat stuff, but dialogue stuff. Like if you have a high science score, um, which that's even different from other stats. So you have your special stats, and then you also have another set of stats that are for things like lockpicking, different types of guns, science, repair, um, healing, There's all sorts of different kinds of other stats, too. And if you want to look up a list, by all means. There are seriously so many stats in the Fallout games. um, But you can kind of, like, ignore most of them and just pick the ones you want to be best at if you don't want to deal with all these stats. There are seriously so many dialogue options, though, and the stats and the way that they're integrated into the way the game works is on another level in the Fallout series. It's really, really impressive. And if you've never played an RPG with that much... Uh, importance in the stats I highly recommend it they're not as crucial as Fallout 1 and 2 but Bethesda did a great job of translating the importance of stats to Fallout 3 and the other Fallouts down the line as well Um, and I'm sort of starting to run out of time for this recording session um, so I'm going to wrap up this uh, particular segment of talking about game mechanics Um, but we have a lot more to talk about Uh, Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas have a couple more mechanics. And Fallout 4 just fucking throws new mechanics at you. There's base building in that game. You can literally build 
structures and settlements and there's so many systems in the fallout games i didn't even think about it there's seriously so many little things in going on in the game as you're playing and i think that plays a big benefit and why i like the game so much there's so much going on and there's so much you can affect in small subtle ways it's it's really really interesting So yes, there are even more mechanics and systems in this game. Uh, next, I want to talk about your actual player, like uh, morality, karma rating. Um, and that is actually quite a deep system in the Fallout games as well. Um, basically, every deed you do gives you good or bad karma. And it affects the game in small ways. Um, and uh, certain things give you specifically good karma, like killing these bandits uh, that just are enemies to everyone and all they do is freaking attack random passerbyers and kill them and steal all their stuff if you kill them you get positive karma if you steal from a faction that's not trying to give you any direct harm or even sometimes if you steal from a faction that is trying to harm you uh, you can get negative karma um, and all that really does is play into the affinity system with certain groups cities uh, civilizations etc factions um which basically is this system where certain groups can become either your friends and your friends and allies or your enemies um i think fallout new vegas probably has the most use of this uh because there's basically um two main factions in fallout new vegas similarly to skyrim they're actually at a war um there is the uh the cons I believe is what they're called. And then there is the New Californian Republic. And the cons are basically um, this group that like wants to kind of uh, have the land under control of their leader, Kaiser. Um, and they're kind of like all like Roman themed. Uh, and they'll go into towns that are against them and don't believe in their like practice and rule. And they'll just burn everyone in the town at the stake. It's pretty badass and honestly pretty scary. Um, and likewise, there's also the New Californian Republic, which is basically a uh, uh, sort of rekindling of the uh, government of the United States in California. Um, so in the Fallout like universe, there's this uh, group called the Brotherhood of Steel, and the Brotherhood of Steel is actually the U.S. government, um, like, rekindled after the war, um, but the New Californian Republic is kind of like a separate group, um, that thrived in a different area that also is based off of, um, people who were formerly members of the U.S. government, um, and so, essentially, in Fallout New Vegas, you run into this situation where you're kind of either with the New Californian Republic or you're with the Great Cons. Um, and, for example, if you do quests that uh, um, end up having you side with the NCR, you kind of get to pick a lot of the time. Like, do I want to do the NCR route or do I want to do the Great Con route? Um, you'll slowly become more and more hated or loved by either faction. And that even works with, like, smaller groups or specific towns or even, like, as much as, like, single gangs in, like, a, a bigger area. 
Um, there's all sorts of different factions and groups and towns in the game that can have different op- uh, opinions of you. And based on your like uh, affinity with the particular group, you can get lower-priced items in shops. Uh, you can have nicer dialogue options. There's benefits you can get. Um, all sorts of other things. And the affinity is also affected by the armor you wear. So going back to the NCR versus the Great Cons, if I wear an NCR armor set, um, the game uh, considers me as a member of the NCR to the Great Cons. So the Great Cons will see that and they'll be like, oh, okay, this is an NCR guy. And the Great Cons will attack me on site. Even though I might not necessarily have the worst affinity with them, uh, they'll still attack me because they'll think that I'm a member of the NCR because I'm wearing their armor. Um, so that's sort of how the affinity system works, and it's really, really fascinating stuff, um, and it's it's really enjoyable to mess with as well. Um, and it's fun to make friends and enemies, and it's really, really great for roleplay. And roleplay is a big part of the Fallout games, at least three in New Vegas. More so New Vegas. New Vegas really just lets you kind of be whoever you want to be and do whatever you want to do, which I absolutely adore. Um, and there's seriously so many factions in New Vegas. You can become friends and enemies with so many different people. Uh, Fallout 3 has some of it. It's more based off of cities in Fallout 3. Like, oh, I'm friends with this city. I'm not friends with this city, etc. Um, and I'll get into sort of like a, a small faction war that happens in Fallout 3. That's one of my favorite quests. Uh, but Fallout New Vegas is all about like who controls what territory and that kind of thing. Uh, and it's, it's really, really interesting stuff. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to talk about, I'm sure I'm missing some other mechanics in the game, um, because there's just so many. I haven't even talked about radiation, for example, but it's pretty simple. Um, it just makes it so... In Fallout 4, it just takes away from your health, and it makes it so your maximum health is lower. Um, when you get radiated in Fallout 3 and New Vegas, uh, you start taking radiation poisoning damage after a certain amount of radiation is acquired by your character um but i think i'm missing i don't think i'm missing anything too big as far as the mechanics go i'll amend it later on in this podcast if i do remember anything else uh but the big thing i want to talk about next is fallout 4 and the big uh, side of the box mechanic for fallout 4 and that's base building um so i did also now that i think about it forget to mention there's crafting and like brewing in the fallout game so you can craft armor weapons items ammo etc you can customize your guns with different attachments and parts um there's lots of that kind of stuff um and fallout 4 took that a step further and introduced full ass settlement building and what the settlement building lets you do is you can uh, build a base piece by piece uh the building system is very similar to like valheim or rust if you want an idea of what it's like where you gather materials that allow you to build specific parts. Um, And you basically can build little buildings. And they're not... It's kind of a more rudimentary basic building system, uh, but it works very well for what the game actually has. And there's lots of great mods uh, that allow you to expand the building system even further, especially on PC. You can remove the building size limit, and you can even make it so you can build wherever you want if that's something you're interested in. And the building in Fallout 4 is really, really, really fun. And for all the other faults that Fallout 4 has um, that makes it not as great as New Vegas and arguably Fallout 3, uh, the building system is definitely one of the best parts, I think. I think a lot of people spent a lot of time playing, 
the base building, settlement building part in Fallout 4. And after you build all this shit, you can even take it a step further and move people in. Uh, you can start building factories, which is really, really fun. I've done that before. It's kind of like a Factorio light experience because you basically have only like five different machines. But you can set up like production lines where uh, your your guys can bring you like... You're, you can send your settlers out into the wasteland. They'll attack bases when you're not around and get metal and bring it back and put it in this machine. And then this machine will break it down and turn it into ammo for you. So whenever you go to your base, you can run by this machine and as long as it's been a couple days and it's had time to collect more items. Um, you'll have a fresh supply of ammo waiting for you. Um, and there was DLC added as well that added contraptions to the game and you can set up like arenas uh, I used to watch a lot of Sips and Robaz uh, playing Fallout 4 and they did stuff like creating production lines where you basically take uh, people who attack your base and put them in a grinder and turn them into food for your people to eat um, which sounds fucked up but it's actually really cool uh, and you can do all sorts of other crazy stuff, too. You can set up traps. You can set up battle arenas. Uh, Sips even had, basically, it set up where he had a battle arena. And the battle arena, uh, whoever lost in the battle arena was dead. So he'd throw them in a grinder and turn them into food. There's, like, so much fucking crazy shit you can do with the Fallout 4 building system. Um, and even though there's possible controversy in the fact that they might have just lifted the building system uh, from a Fallout a Fallout New Vegas mod it's really really great so there's some of the mechanics I wanted to talk about for the Fallout 3D Bethesda games I'm sure I missed something because I totally missed the crafting mechanics and stuff like that but there's some of it at least for now Okay, so now starting with Fallout 4, then Fallout 3, then Fallout New Vegas, I'm going to go over three quests, one from each game, um, that I would probably say are my favorite from each. Uh, so starting it off with Fallout 4, Fallout 4 has a quest that I think might be in the DLC. I might be wrong. I don't quite recall the exact point in the game where it appears because it's been a decent amount of time since I've played Fallout 4. Um... But basically, it's a quest where you enter this place and there's a bunch of robo-brains. And these robo-brains, if you don't know, are robots that have human brains inside of them. So they're, like, basically artificially uh, kept alive uh, humans, if you will. So they take the brains out of actual humans before they die and put them inside of the robo-brains. So the robo-brains can... Um, basically keep living on for the human and you get to this area with a bunch of robo brains living there um for this quest in fallout 4 and again it might be in the dlc it might be in the base game i don't remember but i'm, I'm gonna keep it obscure on purpose um as to not spoil anything and as to keep the surprise if you get to this point of the game i don't want you to see it coming um but basically when you arrive in this area you find out that everyone who lives in this town or area, if you will, is a robo-brain. And there's a murderer. And all of these robo-brains talk like robots, so they're like, hello, human, and stuff like that. Um, but amongst them, there is an imposter. 
if you will. Um, that was not intentionally an Among Us reference. But basically, you get to play like a Sherlock Holmes detective role. And you have to figure out which one of these robo-brains are murdering other robo-brains. So basically, it turns into this situation where you're talking to these robots. And it's like classic detective tropes. But with the spin that you're talking to these robots that are like... That each have like humanized and very similar to like clue types of personalities. Um, but yet they don't actually they're not actual humans so like even though they're dying uh it's like it's weird it's really weird and the quest is honestly one of the weirdest you'll find in fallout 4 in my opinion there's a lot of weird quests across the fallout series but as far as fallout 4's quests go it's definitely one of the more creative and well-written ones in my opinion and there's lots of interesting dialogue and stuff like that and it's honestly one of the best quests that i've played in fallout 4 um, so if you do play Fallout 4, I definitely recommend you check that one out. Because Fallout 4 definitely has far and fewer between um, actually good quests, in my opinion. There are a lot of good ones, but a lot of them are just kind of go to this point, kill these guys. Good job, you won. That kind of thing. Um, compared to the other Fallout games, at least. But that quest in particular, the one I just described, is one of the more interesting ones. And in a way, it reminded me of the Fallout New Vegas quests from the DLC where you go to um, the area with, like, the, the computers that talk to you. I don't remember what it's called exactly. Um, but there's this area for a DLC in Fallout New Vegas that has these computers that talk to you. And they're basically scientists whose knowledge has been transferred into the computers to keep them alive. So it's kind of a similar thing. Um, and you have to help them uh, regain control of this science lab area and its surrounding complexes. Uh, and that's a really interesting DLC for Fallout New Vegas, so I recommend that. If I could remember the name of it, that'd be great. I know you have to go to a drive-in in Fallout New Vegas to get to it. Um, but anyway, jumping over to Fallout 3 next, there's a lot of great quests in Fallout 3. Um, and honestly, because of... Fallout 3's uh, Fallout 3's origins as being the first Bethesda Fallout game I feel like a lot of the quests are more iconic because it was the first time we ever experienced a true 3D Fallout game and we were experiencing like Bethesda's writing staff working in the Fallout universe for the first time so a lot of the quests were arguably more memorable because of the fact that they were in Fallout 3 um, but the quests I want to highlight uh, that have to do with Fallout 3 are as follows. Um, basically, there's this segment uh, right as you get out of the gate in Fallout 3, right after you exit the vault, um, where you go into this town called Megaton. And in Megaton, the, uh, the town is a crater in the ground. And the crater was created by a nuclear bomb that dropped on the area but did not explode. So there's an unexploded nuclear airhead, airhead, <laughs> a nuclear warhead, unexploded nuclear warhead right in the middle of this town in this crater. And um, as such, as the vault dweller in Fallout 3, it's your job to decide 
if you want to help the town out and disarm the nuclear warhead or not. And the driving forces behind this are two different groups. So the people of the town want the nuclear warhead disarmed um, because not only is it kind of terrifying that there's a nuclear warhead uh, and it could explode at any minute, um, there's also this like religious cult called the Children of Adam, and they're really weird. And they're kind of almost wanting the bomb to explode, so the normal people in the town are like, okay, please stop this bomb from exploding. And if you do, you you become famous in the town and you get a house. Um, But there's also this other group where when you go into the bar for the first time, when you enter Megaton, uh, this group is... uh, This group's sent in a guy in a suave suit, and he's trying to find someone to arm the bomb and blow up the town and basically this guy in the suave suit comes from a nearby uh, settlement called Tenpenny Tower and Tenpenny Tower is basically a tower owned by a bunch of like rich pompous people where they have a little town inside of this tower and it's all run by this guy named Tenpenny and they're so rich and snobbish that when they look out on their balconies uh, they see this town and they hate it and they see it as an eyesore on the otherwise beautiful desolate wasteland around Tenpenny Tower. So they're trying to get someone to blow up the bomb and destroy the town. And you as the lone wanderer have to decide if you want to side with the rich snobs or if you want to um, go ahead and help out the town. And either one you side with, uh, the quest progresses in a fairly similar way. You become friends with the different town and you get a house or a place to live in the town. If you side with the people of Megaton, you get a house in Megaton. Um, and if you side with the people in Tenpenny Tower, you get a penthouse suite in Tenpenny Tower. So both of them are pretty awesome, and both of them serve their own purpose. And it's kind of like an aesthetic thing, which actual living place you'd want in the game. Um, and honestly, they both have the same amenities as far as like having a little robot butler that does stuff for you, having a bobblehead stand, offering storage for your items. So the only real difference is the RP behind would your character help out the helpless townspeople or would your character help out the rich and like powerful people. Um, and it's one of the more interesting... Um, two-sided quests in Fallout 3. And I was going to say as well at this point, Fallout 3 has a lot of, like, do you want to side with the good people or do you want to side with the bad people quests? Um, Whereas Fallout New Vegas is more do you want to side with these people who have the good and bad sides or do you want to side with these people who have their good and bad sides? And New Vegas is definitely a lot more gray as far as good and evil. Everybody kind of has good things about them and bad things about them. Um, whereas in Fallout 3, it's kind of more obviously like, okay, do I want to be the good guy or the bad guy? And that's good or bad, depending on how you look at it. And it works for both games and it's interesting. And I think that's one of the reasons why, despite people hating on Fallout 3 and it being considered the lesser game out of the two between Fallout New Vegas and Fallout 3, I do still think Fallout 3 is a great game and I do love it a lot. And I do actually like it more than Fallout 4. It took kind of a little bit of playing of Fallout 4 to realize that. 
but once you get through a good chunk of Fallout 4, and Fallout 4 is a great game, which we're going to get into why it's not as good later on, um, but you realize Fallout 4 lacks some of the character that Fallout 3 has, um, but that's sort of my opinion on the whole Fallout 3 is a good or bad debacle. I think it's a really good game. It's obviously, it's up against some really good games in its series, so that's why Fallout 3 or Fallout 4 which one are worse than Fallout New Vegas, which one's better than the other, is kind of like a common debate amongst Fallout fans. Um, Now, jumping over to Fallout New Vegas, I'm probably going to need to continue this on into a second part, because honestly, Fallout New Vegas has some really interesting quests, and it's going to be hard to pick just one to talk about. Um, Fallout New Vegas, though, has some of the best well-written well-constructed quest lines in any game I've ever played. And I really want to emphasize that at this part before I get into a discussion on some... Maybe I'll get into a couple of my favorite quests or because it's really going to be hard to pick one. Um, but Fallout New Vegas' writing staff did an excellent job giving every quest memorable moments and memorable characters. Even, like, the really, really simple ones. Like, there was this one quest that I did for... Uh, the NCR, the New Californian Republic, where basically there was somebody who was a spy on the inside of the NCR, and they were sending information back to the Legion. Um, And I had to basically find out who the spy was. And all the quest was was me talking to a couple people and finding out, oh, this person's going up to this, like, old abandoned communications tower at this time of night. And so I waited for that time to come and I went up to the communications tower and I found them but honestly it was so memorable because of what the character said and the dialogue options and it all comes into this climactic point where like this unexpected turn happens and you better save before you do like any quest because honestly you could mess up your save file and take end up getting a really bad route um or you could end up accidentally siding with the enemy or you could end up cutting yourself off off from certain options and certain outcomes for the quest on accident. So definitely save before you start any quest or right after you start any quest in the Fallout games. So if you do mess up, you can just load back and it's all A-OK because there's really some interesting stuff. But this tiny little quest, this tiny little find the spy quest in Fallout New Vegas like kind of spun out of control and all of a sudden there was like some serious consequences if I did not complete the quest in a certain way and I love that about Fallout New Vegas. So there is one little example of a basic quest from Fallout New Vegas that has interesting stuff going on but now I want to talk about some some more actual substantial quest line stuff from Fallout New Vegas. I want to get into my actual favorite quest line. Come Fly With Me is an excellent quest included in Fallout New Vegas. Not only is the actual song included in the game, but it's also the name of a side quest where you basically have to help a religious cult activate a rocket. Um, So basically, when you're traveling around the wasteland, you'll run into this place. I'm not going to say the name of it, so it gets spoiled if you run into the place what's going on. um, Where rockets are being tested. At least they were before the war. And when you arrive in this place, um, there's basically this religious cult called the Bright Ones. And they're led by this guy, I think his name's like Johnny Bright or something like that. 
and he is a glowing one, which basically a glowing one is a version of a ghoul, which I should probably explain what a ghoul is. A ghoul is a type of creature in the Fallout series um, that's humanoid, and basically it's a human who sustained a who sustained a ton of radiation during the blast. Uh, Typically, ghouls are created when the humans would stand outside during the blasts and not seek shelter and actually survive the blast somehow, and then they become these ghouls. And the ghouls are either highly mutated to the point where they're, like, just basically zombies and they just attack and they're mindless, or sometimes ghouls can be created and they can remain uh, just as conscience conscience just as conscious and smart as humans normally are um just have all the malformities in the skin and all of the freaking craziness going on uh with their body that ghouls do so they look like they got drooping eyes and like craters in their face and they just look all crazy and messed up and they're kind of like the most discriminated race in the fallout series because they're basically just really ugly humans um, and the glowing ones typically are not uh, not mentally capable of thought and not mentally capable of holding a conversation like a human. Typically, they're like the most feral of feral ghouls. And just being next to them has enough radiation that's being let off that you start to get radiation poisoning. So they're kind of just like a stronger version of the feral ghouls. Um, But Johnny Bright somehow managed to get the same amount of radiation as a glowing one, um, but stay completely conscious and stay just as smart and capable mentally as a regular human. Uh, And therefore, he has decided that he is the chosen one by God who needs to lead the ghouls to their salvation on another planet and he requests the help of the uh the courier who is the name of the protagonist in fallout new vegas that you play as um to help his cult finish off their mission and uh after some after some combat and regaining access to the facilities they need to repair their rocket helping them fix up the rocket um so it's like a whole quest line and it ends with come fly with me uh, and basically, I'm going, I'm going to describe the majority of the quest line here. So if you want no spoilers, probably skip ahead about five minutes or so in the podcast. Um, but basically, you arrive in this test center, and there's bad guys attacking you right off the bat. Multiple different types. There's super mutants, which super mutants are basically um, the same thing as ghouls, but instead of making them so irradiated and husks of themselves, it made them stronger. So... Uh, super mutants are basically super beefed up, strong, dumb humans. Um, they do still have mental capacity, and in, throughout the series, there's even a couple that be- can become your allies. But most of them are so dumb that they just attack you on sight because you look like food to them. Um, and then, of course, you before getting to meet Johnny Bright, you actually end up fighting some of his cult members and they have cultist robes, and they shoot, like, laser guns at you, and they're pretty cool. Um, And once you do meet up with Johnny and the crew, you actually sort of have a decision to make, because the basement of this facility is where the rocket is, and they need to get access to it so they can repair it and go on their voyage 
um, and complete their sort of quest as given to them by their religious figurehead. But the problem is um, the basement is overrun by these super mutants. Um, And these super mutants are a clan of blue super mutants. I'm trying to remember their name. Earlier when I was trying to record this segment and the audio cut out, I had their name in my head, but I forgot it all of a sudden. It's the Bright Ones versus the... Fuck, what are they called? Night... It's not Night Stalker. I don't know, something like that. They have a name for their group, and basically it's a group of organized super mutants that are blue, and they use this item that I didn't talk about earlier called Stealth Boys, and Stealth Boys make you temporarily invisible and practically undetectable unless you uh, shoot or do any actions that would make it obvious where you are uh, to your enemies. So there's basically giant, invisible, uh, super strong uh, super mutants in the basement of uh, of this testing center guarding this rocket that these cultists need to get to to fix it up so they can take it and launch off. Um, and they're called Nightkin, I just remembered. Um, or something along those lines. So you as the courier have to decide if you want to help the Nightkin protect the basement from the religious cults. Uh, and in return, they promise you uh, a cut of their stealth boys, so you can get a ton of stealth boys that way. Or you can help the uh, the ghouls of the religious cults and help them complete their maiden voyage and launch their rocket. And the path I took, of course, was helping the religious cult uh, launch their rocket. So I went down to the basement, and when you arrive in the basement, um, you have to fight the Nightkin. And basically, there's a side quest even further down there, like a mini side quest, where you run into this ghoul who's unaffiliated with the cult. And he was just sort of getting to know the cult because they had women that he could fuck. Um, and this is where Fallout New Vegas is great writing and like weird gray characters come in. Because this guy, you can tell he's supposed to be like a good guy and he helps people, but he's a huge asshole. And basically, he's gotten trapped down in this basement with the Nightkin because it turns out you're not the first person they sent to deal with the Nightkin. They sent this guy first and promised him women in exchange. Um, and one of the women he was after got kidnapped by the Nightkin and imprisoned in the basement. And he got trapped in this room with all these landmines. So it's up to you to uh, basically make sure before he escapes this room and goes and fights them... Uh, that his girlfriend is alive. So that means you either need to clear out the Nightkin or sneak your way down to the prisoner's chambers in order to confirm to him whether or not the girl he loves is down there. Because if the girl he loves isn't down there, there's no point in him trying to rescue her because he should just get the hell out of there because he doesn't care anymore. Um, And that's a whole side objective, and you can either complete it... um, and there's stuff to be found, or you can just kill him, and he promises you he promises you a reward, um, and you can just kill him and take the reward, um, which is actually what partially the super mutant nightkins want. So if you do that, you're kind of siding with them. Or you can go check if his girlfriend's alive, and then sneak back up, and then he'll help you take them out. Or you can just kill all of them 
find out what's going on and then go talk to him um and i'm not going to spoil the outcome of that because you should figure it out yourself by playing the game but uh you do eventually reach the bottom of the basement of this building where the night can have taken over and they're guarding the rocket either by sneaking past or by killing all of them eventually though you do need to clear them out whether you have that guy help you out or not um is kind of where this quest can deviate and you can have different paths you either need to clear them out or you need to help the nightkin defeat the cult and once you do you can finish the quest and uh, different outcomes happen and different twists happen which it eventually reaches a fetch quest and the fetch quest is three parts and you have to travel across the wasteland a little bit and find like some fuel for their rocket and some different parts they need and then they launch the rocket and I'm not going to spoil what happens after that either but I gotta say it's one of the more interesting side quests it's a pretty quick finish I think I finished the whole thing in like an hour but honestly it felt just as substantial and fleshed out as some of the main quests and some of the main factions even though it was very much a side quest and a small side thing and me spoiling this really does not even begin to spoil the game um this is just one little tiny side quest and this is just an example of like what you can expect there are so many other groups where you'll run into different scenarios and have to pick sides and all that jazz um to give you one other example as well to show you that there's multiple groups to befriend and help out and multiple stories to be told in this game uh, there's another group called the boomers and yes they were called the boomers before that became a trendy slang term um, and they are operating out of a naval air for- a naval base an air force base um, near the las vegas or sorry the new vegas strip um, and you basically need to get to them and the problem is they launch airstrikes on anyone who tries to come near their base. So nobody's actually contacted them from the outside in years. So there's a challenge to get in there. And once you do find a way to get in there, whatever way it might be, uh, you can become their friends. You can clear them out. You can fight them. You can help them. It's all up to you. They can become your allies. They can become your enemies. This is where the RP in Fallout really comes in. New Vegas especially has some of the best role-playing opportunities I've experienced in an RPG. And the way they set up the story where you're just the courier and you're a blank slate and you're just some guy who was given a package to deliver, it really makes the possibilities for creating your character endless. If you want to be a lawless, like, fucking criminal and just rob from people and murder people who get in your way, by all means, Fallout New Vegas will let you do that. If you want to be, like... A law, a law-abiding citizen who tries to bring justice to the wasteland, either on your own as a vigilante or by befriending the NCR and joining up with them, you can do that. The game really lets you take any role you want. It lets you do anything you want, and it honestly, it's it's such a game for that's perfect for role playing. It's perfect for coming up with a character and designing them and figuring out how you want them to look and figuring out what weapons you want them to use and figuring out what skills you want to focus on. Fallout New Vegas truly is one of the most fleshed out and varied role-playing games ever created, and it's really, really great. 
and we're going to get into more about why it's so great here in a little bit. So now that I've talked about some of my favorite quests and I've briefly touched upon my opinion on the whole Fallout thing, I want to address an elephant in the room. Uh, and that elephant is Fallout 76. So today I am not talking a ton about Fallout 76, specifically because it's more of a spin-off than a true Fallout series entry. Um, basically, Fallout 76 runs on pretty much the same version of the creation engine as Fallout 4, so graphically and gameplay-wise, it's, it's basically Fallout 4. Um, it has the base building and everything, uh, the only main drawing point for Fallout 76 that's different necessarily is that it's multiplayer. Um, they added some other small things like a photo mode and like all this social shit. But basically Fallout 76 is sort of like an extended side story. Um, you could think of it as like a big DLC for Fallout 4 because that's honestly what it basically is. Um, and it has a multiplayer, and you build bases like in Fallout 4, but they can move around, uh, and you can plunk them down in different areas. Uh, and not only that, but your bases can be raided by other players online and in the server and stuff like that. Um, and I'm pretty sure it takes place in North Carolina. I know it takes place in, like, freaking... Uh, West Virginia, that's where it takes place, not North Carolina. Duh, because they use Country Roads as the song. Um, and there's, like, a nuclear launch area where you can launch a nuke, and it temporarily, like, bombs out half the map. So anybody who goes in that area has to wear a hazmat suit. It's got lots of stuff like that. It has lots of good ideas, but it really missed the mark as far as uh, running works because the game ran like ass when it came out, and technically it was just a disaster. Um, and I guess it's gotten a lot better, and they even have this thing now where you can pay a subscription price to own the game as long as your subscription is active and you get some bonuses for paying for it like that. Um, if you don't feel like doing the one-time purchase for $60, and uh, it has a microtransaction store, and they replaced the perk system with like these cards, so you have temporary stat, boots and stat boosts in certain areas. It really just doesn't play like a Fallout game, um, and it's sort of like the least connected Fallout game that's ever come out, and you even come out of a control vault if that says anything. So basically, a control vault is a vault that vault Tech created that didn't have any experiments running or anything like that, um, and granted, I guess Fallout 3, you came out of a control vault, but either way... Um, it's really just nothing to write home about and it was pretty buggy and crappy until recently and I guess now it's decent um, but as far as I understand it's kind of just a worse version of Rust because Rust has all the same mechanics like base building and people can raid your base the only thing where that Fallout 76 has on Rust is that there's a lot more focus on quests so if you want my honest opinion of Fallout 76 I'm sure it's a fine multiplayer Rust style base building cooperative game um and it's probably good for pvp i'm just not huge into that kind of a game i would definitely not have really a ton of people to play it with so that's why i'm not super into fallout 76 and if i had to rank the fallout games in my favorite to my least favorite at least the bethesda ones 
Um, obviously, New Vegas would be the best. Then Fallout 3, then Fallout 4, then Fallout 76. And Fallout 4 I really did enjoy. And honestly, it's not a terrible game. Um, Fallout 4 moved a lot um, away from the traditional RPG roots and made it, made it more of an action um um, an action story based first person shooter with quests and some RPG elements your stats do not matter anywhere near as much in Fallout 4 as they do in the previous two entries and Fallout New Vegas takes it to another level um, but that being said people love to hate on Fallout 4 and say it's like one of the worst games ever made and it's an awful game and honestly I do not think Fallout 4 is really that much of an obtrusive game I really think that it's decent and I enjoyed it when I played it so that's my thoughts on Fallout 4 specifically um now as far as Fallout 3 versus New Vegas I already shared my thoughts and opinions on that but um Fallout 3 definitely has a lot less going for it than Fallout New Vegas in my opinion and New Vegas, um, in many ways, is one of my favorite games of all time. So that's kind of high praise for me. And I feel like if I had said that Fallout 3 was anywhere near as good as New Vegas, I'd be doing New Vegas a, a, a disjustice, a misjustice. <laughs> I don't know what I was trying to say there. Um, but that being said, uh, Fallout 3 also is kind of underhyped. It is a really good game. And I don't think I don't think it deserves to get flack because it's not Fallout New Vegas, because um, Fallout Three really is an excellent game as well. Now I didn't mention this as well, but Fallout New Vegas actually has a distinct advantage over Fallout Three as far as how it was created. Um, so basically, if you're unaware, um, for Fallout New Vegas, Obsidian uh, Entertainment was contracted by Bethesda to make the game, and Obsidian is actually sort of like a rekindling, reformation of uh, a company that used to be known as Black Isle Studios. Black Isle Obsidian, you know, you you get the whole connection there. Um, and Black Isle Studios actually was the company that worked with Interplay and created the first two Fallout games. So in a way, New Vegas is made by the people who originally came up with the idea for Fallout. And that gives them a distinct advantage in the fact that they know what they're doing with the game. They sort of understood the concept and idea of Fallout better than anyone. And so they had that advantage over Bethesda. And I think that's one of the key reasons why Fallout New Vegas is so much better than Fallout 3. They just knew what a Fallout game should be through and through. Because a lot of the people who programmed New Vegas also programmed the original two Fallout games. So they really understood um they really understood what people were looking for in a 3D Fallout game. And that's where they get a distinct advantage. And that reminds me too, there's actually another Fallout game we're not talking about in this podcast. Um, and it's like a pseudo 3D, pseudo isometric Fallout game that was actually technically the first one made by Bethesda. Um, and it's like Fallout Brotherhood of Steel or something like that. And it's basically an isometric tactics game taking place in the Fallout universe that Bethesda made before they made Fallout 3. And it's sort of more similar to 1 and 2. That's why we're not talking about it in this video. 
Um, but that game is considered pretty meh as well. So there's sort of my more specific opinions about a couple of the Fallout games. Let's keep talking about it here. Alright, so the next segment is going to be a really special segment. This podcast is starting to get off the rails a little bit, so I want to bring it back. And I want to talk about possibly one of the most important mods in Fallout history. And that mod is Tale of Two Wastelands. So Fallout 3 was developed to work with uh, Games for Windows Live, which was basically a service slash game launcher slash DRM tool uh, built around the brand new version of Windows that was available at the same time as Fallout 3's release. And that, of course, was Windows Vista. And if you haven't heard of Windows Vista, that's probably for a good reason, because it's absolute dog shit. Um, And Games for Windows Live was baked directly into Windows Vista, and as soon as Microsoft ditched Windows Vista and jumped to Windows 7, uh, Games for Windows Live was dropped with it. And I can think of a couple games that I have in my backlog of PC uh, history that have been... uh, constantly troublesome to play on PC because of games for Windows Live, uh, such as Viva Pinata, Grand Theft Auto 4, and of course, Fallout 3. Um, Only until recently. Recently, Fallout 3 was released on GOG, um, which is a website that has... uh, video games for sale that have no DRM, which I could do a whole episode on DRM. Um, But basically, all you have to know is think about how you have to log into your Steam account to download and play games off your Steam account. Uh, With GOG, you don't have to be logged into any account or anything. It's basically like you have a physical copy because you just download it, and you have the file, and you can send the file around to your friends and duplicate it, and you own the game. You can just do whatever you want. If you want to copy the game and paste it into another folder and then send that other folder to your friend and your you and your friend can both play off the same copy of the game without him having to pay there's no drm uh and when they released the fallout games on gog recently i think it was in the last couple of years uh the version of fallout 3 that was posted had games for windows live stripped out and it's arguably the best way to play fallout 3 on pc today Unfortunately, the Steam version is still pretty much restricted to games for Windows Live, I believe. Um, But either way, my preferred way to play Fallout 3 on PC is through this excellent mod, which is the work of countless mod authors, uh, and it's called Tale of Two Wastelands. And Tale of Two Wastelands seamlessly connects the events of Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas. So you can take one character across the Capital Wasteland and one character across the Mojave Wasteland and they can be the same character. Um, And basically not only does Tale of Two Wastelands allow you to play two games with the same character, it gives you some weapons that were exclusive to Fallout 3 and were not present in Fallout New Vegas and vice versa. Um, It also provides an excellent way to play Fallout 3 on PC in a very capable form because it basically turns Fallout 3 into a DLC for Fallout New Vegas, and it is such a great mod. Now, don't get me wrong, this probably sounds complicated as hell to anyone who's, um, who's 
unfamiliar with Bethesda modding and especially even more complicated for those who are and it is it's a fucking bitch to get installed and it has tons of possible bugs you could run into and certain zones could not load correctly in the Fallout 3 map Uh, like I remember I went to the Citadel in Fallout 3 and when I loaded in I was like underground when I went through the front door so I had to download a separate patch specifically for that bug So it's not exactly the most user-friendly thing to download. But once you do, it's so excellent. And I had this character named Josh Riviera. And Josh Josh Riviera left Vault 111 in search of his father. uh, And went through the entirety of Fallout 3's main quest. And after he had saved the Capital Wasteland, he hopped on a train and went to the Mojave Desert... Uh, where he became a package courier uh, and ended up getting shot in the head and ended up in Good Springs and thus started the events of Fallout New Vegas. And that was how I, like, sort of first played the first chunk of Fallout New Vegas. I later on started a new playthrough with a character specifically made for Fallout New Vegas because um, while the game was still balanced, even though I played Fallout 3 first, uh, it felt more it felt more right to give fallout new vegas an actual uh first attempt just fresh basically um but tale of two wastelands is such an amazing mod and if you can get it working it works with a bunch of different fallout new vegas mods um such as the excellent project nevada nevada skies and all these other freaking mods you can do texture mods that work with both it's really a sight to behold, and honestly, it's definitely the best way to play Fallout 3 on PC, in my opinion. Um, now, don't let that discourage you. If you can only play Fallout 3 or Fallout New Vegas um, on PC, definitely just get Fallout New Vegas and play that. You're going to have a lot better experience. But if you want to have the ultimate Fallout experience, and you want to have like a 500-hour-plus game to play... Tale of Two Wastelands, Fallout 3, and Fallout New Vegas is an excellent, excellent way to do that. And it's it's actually really, really impressive. And uh, I really, really like it, and I can't recommend it enough. Especially to Fallout fans, if you want to like challenge yourself, if you want to have a little fun, if you want to fuck around and like try to make the most over-encompassing like lore-wise character you possibly can. It's so fun to come up with a character for two Fallout games and run them through the two Fallout games at once. Like, my character from Tale of Two Wastelands did everything in the Capital Wasteland, and then he came to the Mojave Desert, and it was such a different, like, experience. And it was really just a sight to behold. It was honestly such a freaking cool experience, hopping on the train and then freaking getting off and I know timeline wise and lore wise they take place far enough apart distance wise that the whole train thing doesn't really make sense but if you are willing to like kind of hand wave that little that little slightly more stretched in reality lore that allows your character to get between the capital wasteland and the Mojave wasteland uh, Tale of Two Wastelands is an absolute joy to play through and it's really great just remember even though you can travel back and forth between the two you're probably going to want to do one all the way through and then go to the other one because I remember it's 
fairly difficult to get back to the train and there's quite a long loading screen while it switches you from Fallout 3 to Fallout New Vegas but it's really really cool and I did end up leaving a lot of shit in my house in Megaton and Fallout 3 and then starting Fallout New Vegas and just not having access to any of it so I ended up having to ditch a lot of my items from Fallout 3 which was kind of a bummer including my Gauss rifle I fucking love the Gauss rifle um and that's part of the reason why I decided to restart but if if you really want the ultimate Fallout experience especially if you're a big Fallout fan already and you've never tried it Tale of Two Wastelands is definitely worth giving a go now let's talk conclusions next really quickly here no transition or anything so the Fallout series is super amazing uh it's it's seriously so fun and I'm going to shoot out some recommendations here folks if you want to play one of the most immersive and one of the most uh, excellent for roleplay RPGs of all time. You need to play Fallout New Vegas. Fallout New Vegas has the quests. It has the style. It has the lore. It has the wacky wasteland, which I didn't even uh, mention. But basically, there's this whole thing in Fallout New Vegas where you can turn on or off all these like pop culture references. So, like, for example, when you leave the first town of Good Springs in Fallout New Vegas, if you have Wild Wasteland or Wacky Wasteland or whatever it's called turned on, uh, you'll encounter a man who is, like, uh, well, he's dead, so it's a skeleton. It's a skeleton, and he's trying to climb. You could tell before he died he was trying to climb into a fridge, and he's wearing, like, a... Uh, a leather hat and he has a whip and it's like oh it's indiana jones holy shit there's like lots of little pop culture references and like just weird ass shit scattered around the world if you play uh fallout new vegas with wild wasteland which i definitely recommend um it seriously it just has something for everyone the music's great i didn't even really talk about the music the music in the fallout games is so excellent uh, and if you just want the ultimate rpg and you want to come up with a character and think about his backstory and just sort of really role play a specific person thrusted into this like desolate uh dusty wasteland definitely give fallout new vegas a try if you want a really solid story but you're not as keen on role playing but you do love rpgs for the stats um i would maybe recommend checking out fallout 3 fallout 3 definitely has less room for um, creating a character and shaping them to your will and creating their backstory than Fallout New Vegas. Um, but it definitely has more play with stats and things like that um, than Fallout 4. Um, so if you want like a decent story with like a bit of role-playing and some excellent quests and some memorable locales, definitely check out Fallout 3. And if you are not a huge RPG fan, but you do like dipping your toes in occasionally, and you want to experience a Fallout game, maybe if you really like building too, or uh, whether it's like factories, or you just want to build a base, and you want to like protect it from raiders, um, or you want a story, uh, like a FPS story game, and you're willing to deal with a couple smaller RPG elements, Fallout 4 is the way to go. Fallout 4 is definitely a great game, not to be overshadowed by Fallout 3 or Fallout New Vegas, especially. Um, Fallout 4 is a truly great game. 
and it does definitely get overshadowed by its predecessors. Um, and it's really solid if you are not as huge on role-playing. It really is a great game, and it's so fun to play, and it holds up still fairly well. And honestly, FPS mechanics-wise, like the shooting in Fallout, uh, in Fallout 4 just feels great. Honestly, the guns feel so impactful, and the attachment system is at its best. Fallout 4 definitely is where the series' combat kind of hit its stride. Um, because it did lean a lot more into the action and first-person shooter style than the previous games. Which is to its benefit when it comes to the combat fluidity. And if you wanted to, I feel like you could play through the entirety of Fallout 4 without VATS and it would just still feel like a solid game. So if you want like a, a story set in the Fallout universe with RPG light elements and like really really good shooting mechanics and base building, definitely check out Fallout 4. It's a different beast than the other two, um, but for those people who aren't huge into RPGs, it might be a decent recommendation if they can handle a couple RPG elements. And if you've played a bunch of Fallout games before and you want to get back into them, definitely go check out Tale of Two Wastelands. It's like the ultimate Fallout experience for somebody with the nostalgia for Fallout 3 and the love for Fallout New Vegas who wants something new. And there's even rumors that once the modding teams that are working on remaking New Vegas in Fallout 4 and remaking Fallout 3 and Fallout 4 finish those two separate mods, they're going to make Tale of Three Wastelands, which is going to let you travel between Fallout 4's Boston map, the Commonwealth, um, and the Capital Wasteland in the Mojave Desert. Um, so that's definitely something to keep in mind. And But if you want the ultimate Fallout experience, you should definitely look into Tale of Two Wastelands. Try getting it set up. It's a bit of a hassle, like I mentioned before. Um, but for a true Fallout fan, it's really worth it. And it's fun to mess around with and fun to check out and fun to make a character for. Um, so that's sort of my thoughts and opinions on the Fallout series. I assume at some point we're going to talk about the Elder Scrolls games. Uh, if you like... If you like Skyrim, you owe it to yourself to try Fallout New Vegas because Fallout New Vegas feels like a more roleplay oriented version of Skyrim. And Fallout 3 honestly just feels like modern Oblivion, if you've played Oblivion. I'd say it's closer to Oblivion than Skyrim. Um, but we're going to talk about the Elder Scrolls games probably, like the Elder Scrolls games, probably in another episode at some point because I have a lot of thoughts and opinions on those as well. Um, but that's sort of my general synopsis for Fallout. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this discussion today. If you sound even remotely interested in checking out one of the Fallout games after hearing this, I would definitely appreciate if you did. Um, again, I think the most easy one to recommend is Fallout New Vegas. It definitely... Uh, benefits too from spending a little bit of time modding it you can definitely go in mod free especially if you're playing on like the xbox uh i you can go on mod free and you'll be fine but on pc maybe download a couple decent mods as well and just you know polish it up a little bit and jump in and you won't regret it it's such a fun game to jump into every couple of months i really really like it but that's all i have for you today folks 
have a great day, night, whatever, wherever, and goodbye.